So we have on our show today, Nelsie Hub, who is a product manager at a company called Neocova. So Nelsie, as product manager and cat enthusiast as well, yes, um, want to tell us a little bit about what you do and what Neocova does and how you guys work together to do a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to, you know, huge emphasis on the cat enthusiast part. You know, I'd say that's like a large part of my identity these days. However, being a product manager at Neocova is also a large part of my identity. So Neocova first is a fintech company. We're headquartered in St. Louis. Uh, we focus on offering flexible banking solutions and we target community banks. So a lot of these smaller banks are struggling with outdated tech but they're locked into these really long-term contracts with these legacy providers mm -hmm. and they're not easy to work with. So we step in and we're offering, you know, more agile solutions to help fix a lot of their issues and, you know, you know, helping the little guy, Yeah, you know, that's what we do. And what I do in, in Neocova as a product manager is I lead the team on a product called Spotlight AI, mm -hmm. and that one's a data analytics tool, and it helps make the data accessible, approachable, understandable to the user. And it leads to a lot more of those data-driven decisions versus just sort of what's typical in banks is like, oh, we're going to make this decision because we've been making it for the past 25 years, mm -hmm. you know? So it leads to like better business outcomes. And obviously you got to see, because we work together, yes. um, the data visualization just really help when you're sort of in that like flow of data analysis. You're not thinking about, oh, where's the data? Like, what do I need to do with this? Or how do I need to manipulate it? You can just see it in a way that's like super understandable. And quite pretty, if you ask me. That's a good segue as to why <laughs> you're here. Mm -hmm. So it's also been really nice to hear your voice again, because we used to I work know. together. So me, I Kyle, and another designer at ThoughtBot, Jeff, we were on your project together. Mm -hmm. And this was five months ago. Yeah, I was oh actually in our Slack channel because yeah. I wanted to like our because we've archived it and I was in it looking because I wanted to find the conversation where we became friends, which oh I my did goodness. find. Um, <laughs> and, so yeah, I know. I'm a it is so cute. And it's just like <laughs> the perfect thing. But yeah, it was like back in September. Wow. Like August, September. That is wild. That was you guys are a great group. I had a lot of fun on that project and especially we got to hang out every day which was always nice yeah. you guys were great to work with too I will tell you that having worked with you know a bunch of different people Thoughtbot was just a breath of fresh air oh my well thank you and you y'all yeah. were too especially too as a designer to hop on a team that was so receptive and so kind and thoughtful and just super nice and it was really cool to just make things together. I really, really appreciated that time. It was great. Yeah, it was like, I remember just kind of to hop right into talking about working with you guys. Like, I remember being nervous because, you know, I don't have a design background. You know, I'm quite the at-home artist. Like, I love arts and crafts and doodling and painting, but I would never, ever go as far to say that I you know, I'm a designer, but I did like Figma and I liked working there. And I felt like there was pressure on me to be like, you know, because I'm the quote artistic one. Mm -hmm. And then you guys came in and you guys were like the real designers. And I thought it was going to be like embarrassing, but you were so <laughs> nice and like just so helpful. And honestly, some of the tips you gave me when we were doing like our pair sessions, I still 
think about. And I'll even say to the, I'll be like, well, Jacqueline said we need to have breathing room between our, you know, oh my God. Like, the <laughs> yes. same words that you use to describe things. Cause I, I love that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about why we work together. Do you sure, remember back yeah. in the day when you were looking to engage with an outside partner? Like what were yeah. you trying to, to do and achieve? I think it initially started where, you know, we're a small company, we're running with a pretty small team, and we did not have a designer. And it got to the point where we really did need somebody with that kind of background. Because with a product manager, like I could get us so far in terms of mock-ups, but until you guys came in, it I guess I just didn't have the right experience to really push it into the next level of being able to like actually design a product. And now post working with you, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we are absolutely in that spot, you know? So you guys have like really set the tone for that, like sleek, easy to use design that like looks nice and is more user focused than I think I maybe would have designed it. Sure. Know, I just didn't have the background. I was like, this button looks good here. Yeah. And right. Like, well, <laughs> right. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. We did a lot of uh, design system work. That was our primary work with you guys was you guys yeah. had a lot of product ideas and you wanted one system to rule them all. I've, I just recently yes. rewatched Lord of the Rings and it was uh, incredible. Oh, it's been like 15 yeah. years. No joke. So mm. uh, top of mind. Did you watch the extended version? Uh, I decided not to because okay. I didn't need to at the moment. I hear that. You know, one does not simply watch the extended <laughs> version. <laughs> ah, and sometimes it's just like. They just pepper in like too long of a look. Like, you know, they just cut away to someone's face. And I'm like, I don't need to see that face right now. Like, I, I know what they're right. thinking. I know what's going on here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Especially at the end of Return of the King. It's like, is it over yet? Oh, no, wait. There's still like 40 more endings we have to get through. <laughs> but yeah, we did a lot of things like that. Uh, Lord of the Rings. No, we did a lot of, you know, <laughs> design system stuff. And how has it been holding up over time? You know what? Honestly, I think you guys would be proud of us. I think about that quite a bit because I sort of have commandeered the design system as my own. Um, Your I'm, precious. I'll, yeah, my precious, <laughs> if I if I may. Like, I will get in there and I, I feel like I, I understand it. I understand what we were trying to accomplish. And yeah. I think it helped that I was, you know, in the trenches with you guys yeah, on it. Sure. And now, you know, I've added a couple little elements that I feel like fit in really well. And I keep trying to like make sure that everything we do looks nice, but at the end of the day is user focused. And I think the design system, having those sort of bricks yeah. to build that has made it just my job. Well, one, it's made me look really good, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, here's this maga I came up with, guys, and I'm like, oh my god, it looks so great. And it really was just me, you know, taking different pieces of the design system and and incorporating them together, which has made my job easier. I know it's made the other product manager's job easier. I don't think we would be where we are without it. That's great. I'm, I'm glad that it's been yeah. so helpful, and it's been you know the gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely, yeah, and I. For me specifically, I don't want to speak for other people on the project, but I'm sure they feel similarly. But I learned so much during that engagement, you know, just about design, color and and all of that. And I think it also helps that I was interested in it. And yeah. it's really helped carry through even just those little nuggets. 
Totally. And I find that it's a lot easier to share design concepts when you just kind of explain why they exist instead of just being like, no, this is it. This is what has to happen all the time. Like, <laughs> I think for me, I, I definitely learned by just understanding the why for most of these things. Yeah. So I think like knowing why it's important to have breathing room or like knowing how to make color just another asset, like a tool, you know, rather than mm-hmm. just something that makes it look pretty, which has always been a for struggle sure. with design in general. Because it is so much more than that. And we've been talking about that a lot here, about design in general. That word encompasses so many different things. Absolutely. How did you advocate for design, either before you brought us on or even just now still, as you kind of advocate for the user and trying to get testing and just in general making sure it's user-centric? Like, What are some things that you do to help do that? Our small team, we've got all sorts of different backgrounds and brains and, you know, mindsets. And I'd like to think that I'm sort of a, uh, how should I say this, like a Boromir of the user, like a a champion of the user experience. Um, I feel very, very strongly about it. I want to make sure that Spotlight in particular, the one that I work on, is super usable because we could have all the bells and whistles and colors or what have you, but if it's not usable and people won't use it, you know, and we want our users to be engaged. We want that. So I'm a huge proponent for making sure usability is like really high up there. I know it's important to all of our team, but I definitely feel like I'm a loud person in the room on that one. Mm -hmm. And mostly it's just like, don't forget, we can have all of these things, but we want to make sure that we're implementing them in a way that our user understands and is logical for like the flow of what their journey is. Yeah. And your user base is interesting because they're so Mm -hmm. used to doing a certain thing a certain way, like especially being in fintech. Has this been a difficult shift? Like how do you compensate for that? It has been really interesting, especially for somebody, you know, I'm young, I'm technologically savvy. When I get on a new website, I could usually figure out things like on my own or if like somebody hands me a device that I maybe haven't seen before. You can like instinctively do it, but we do have users who who don't have that, who are a little bit older and have a little bit less of that intuition around technology. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have that usability that is more intuitive, but then also keep in mind that there might be people in our user base who are not as technologically savvy. So it, it has been interesting. We are pretty lucky, though, as an organization. We have a couple people who've been in banking for a very long time, and that always helps my, my move. I have a weekly meeting with our president of banking services, Lee Keith, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I'll show him my mock-ups and make sure that you know they make sense to him because he's one like the smartest person ever. He's been in banking forever. So I don't want to make it sound like he's dumb. But like if he can see what I'm trying to accomplish and understand sort of the design, then I know I'm I'm barking up the right tree. Yeah. So he's sort of like a good litmus test. And he's been so helpful. Like I'll just like text him randomly and be like, so this is something that bankers do, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so he's just been having that subject matter expert in-house, but then we also have a really great network of bankers who we have great relationships with. And I can say like, oh, you know, what are you thinking? How are you currently doing things? Yes. And that a lot of times really offers great insight, like getting into what they do. Like one of my favorite questions is, 
walk me through your day. You know, yeah, like for sure. like you sit down, you grab your coffee, you know, you've got your thing, then what? You know, yep. you really get into like the details. I remember too, like going through mock-ups with you and us just constantly wondering and just like asking that question of, okay, what is a person coming to this page for? Especially yeah. when it comes to like data viz and there's so mm-hmm. much information to show and it's like, well, what do we show? I mean, what do they, what do they want to achieve with this page? What are they trying to accomplish by logging in and coming here? Like how do we bubble that information up top? And everyone has different intentions. For sure. And even within my one product, you know, there are multiple different users that we're anticipating. So each one is going to have a different flow when they get in there. Like if you're going to be an executive level user, you're going to want to look at these things. But if you're going to be specific to like a loan officer, you're going to be looking at these things. So it has been very interesting to try and and juggle that. And I think a lot of it is just that sort of more detailed customer research. Yeah, because it's it's really hard to tell that line of when do you make everything customizable and when do you like take a stand as a product and be like, no, this is what we want. This is how we want to guide our users and like help them rethink this in a different way and not necessarily just have everything be have like a million different versions of our product out there to accommodate for like all the different people, (laughs) you know? Right. And that's just not realistic or scalable, you know, like because the idea is like, okay, cool. Yeah, we can make this super customizable product, but then you onboard somebody else and you have to do it all over again. It's just not the most realistic use of our resources time. So it has been super interesting, but as like a newer product manager, you know, that's been so valuable to learn trying to like balance all of that and then create a, like a cohesive single product that solves for a lot of it, you know, for sure. Have you found your rhythm with with user testing and incorporating feedback and whatnot? Yeah. So it's like some of them will have like weekly meetings with, which Mm -hmm. I think has been really cool, especially because you do get to know the customer really well. I like even will send pictures of like a bank we work with their senior vice president. He'll send me pictures of like his cat (laughs) and like we have like a wonderful relationship. And I think what that tends to lend itself to is the ability for product managers like myself to feel comfortable asking those little tiny questions that Mm -hmm. maybe like if we were in a large scale organization, you know, you don't have that rapport with your customer base. So it's not, you basically have to start over every time you reach out to a new customer. But with us, it has been really, really valuable to sort of build those relationships yeah, and be able to get that feedback where it's like, they feel like they can be honest with us as well. You know, oh, this doesn't really work for us. Or, you know, we were really thinking this. So I think it's been pretty cool. But, you, you know, we definitely want to make sure that we stay focused on like the product goal. Because like, obviously, customer feedback is super important, but it shouldn't be dictating what the product is. I find like, right now, I'm on a project where we have our heads down and we're designing this app. But it's just like, knowing when to come up for air and just being like, okay, I just want to make sure that this is in the right direction. Just like gut checking this, like these, this concept as a whole makes sense. And then, you know, we can always fine tune and tweak the copy and like the design or whatever, but it's like, does this make sense? (laughs) Like what you were saying before, like, do do bankers do this? (laughs) Yeah. Is this a thing? Oh my God. (laughs) The amount of times, like I actually have this, this like sort of internal dialogue with myself. I will make assumptions based on my, you know, banking knowledge, which again, 
I am not a banker, uh-huh. nor do I have experience. <laughs> you know, I think I've been in a, a physical bank like five times in my life. Nice. And yeah. I'll make these, you know, product decisions and I will a lot of times preempt them in my mind. I'll be like, okay, so this was from the bank of Nelsie, you know, because <laughs> I'm like making these assumptions based on what I know about banking, which I'm assuming is not very much. I mean, it's a little bit more than what I knew before, but um, that's why I have to rely on my subject matter experts and and our customers to like help me round out a lot of those ideas because the bank of Nelsey is not necessarily rooted in reality. (laughs) I'm (laughs) down. Let me know how to get an account. I just imagine like the like currency is just elephants and like yeah you know. and unicorns and actually <laughs> Lisa Frank. Bank of Nelsie that's where our Lisa Frank aesthetic would come in right um, I could finally implement the leopard print and flying dolphins oh my that we all want I know we we've been just talking about the Lisa Frank aesthetic TM <laughs> I do really quick need to send this really quick to you Tom mm-hmm. oh did yeah share the Tiger King Lisa Frankified. And I'll, I'll give my reaction on air. That's good. <gasps> oh, wow. That's good, right? Wow. That is, you know, decisions were made for this. <laughs> decisions were made. And I, I appreciate it, kind of, you know? Really incorporates that aesthetic <laughs> in the zeitgeist, you know? Like, oh, I mean, they clearly just took an existing Lisa Frank. Yeah. <laughs> And then just threw this guy in. Plus the monkey in the background. Love that touch. Yeah. It would have been funnier if that was Carol Baskin, right? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my mom was having me help set up her Google Nest. You know, like the thermometer thing. Right. So Google bought Nest and you have to use their Google Home app. Okay. To set up all your shenanigans. Sure. And... It was so difficult to figure out how to do it. And I was like, you know, and as an intelligent, technically savvy human, I was like, why is this so difficult? And then I thought, maybe I should go work for Google and show them how to make an app that's usable because this one is not. And it's like crazy because Google has so much money and they are such a great company. And I'm like, how did you guys do that? How did this happen? Yeah. I, I hear that whenever I see stuff like that. I'm just kind of like, how did yeah, how did this slip through the cracks? Like, was anyone on this project? <laughs> it's just like Or I constantly <laughs> think of like new apps or products there should be. You know, I'll be like, Oh, there's a real need for me. I, I thought of this app idea now that I'm gonna say it and immortalize it on a podcast, I feel dumb, but it was an app that would track all of your online shopping. Because you know how you like order something from Amazon yeah. you order something from like Urban Outfitters and you never know when anything's coming because it's all coming at different, oh my God. like get your email and then it would, it would just say today you should expect Oh my this God, package. Nelsie. You know? I do that right? manually now in my Evernote. I actually have to track packages and like I add the tracking info and I like let myself know when the hell it's coming because I forget. Yeah. And then it comes to your door and you're like, oh my goodness, what did I order? And and I think especially now in, in the sort of pandemic days, you know, where a lot of us are doing the online thing. Definitely. You know, I really felt a need for something to sort my packages out. But then I was like, does that encourage more online shopping? Like, how would I get in contact with USPS? And then it just 
it snowballed and it got overwhelming. So I, I dropped that idea pretty quickly. Oh yeah, that that happens a lot. I, I have like a hundred <laughs> new ideas every other day. And then when I start to right. really think about it, I'm like, mm. It's so much yeah. easier to do nothing. <laughs> oh, right? Or like, oh, I need to catch up on my episodes of Bridgerton. Yeah, there you go. I've watched like eight times already. Well, thinking about when we worked together, I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. that there was some sense of feeling overwhelmed, right? Like knowing that you'll need to have a design, knowing that you have yep. a lot of different products and ideas and concepts and not knowing how to marry them together and how they all live, you know, like... What do you yeah. think if we didn't work together and y'all didn't get those ducks in a row, like what do you think the cost would have been to your company? Oh gosh. I think it would have been pretty significant. You know, I think having the design system, it did sort of sort out by default who was using Figma, you know, who wasn't, like who wants to use Figma? Because I think it was also a matter oh, of like, yeah. you know, oh, we can, but like then, you know, maybe someone is like, but I just, it just isn't my thing. So it's like, why have that person be spending a lot of time in Figma or doing design work when that's just not what they want to be doing or the best use of their time? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really hard to quantify actually, sure. because like even thinking about not having the design system like stresses me out. <laughs> yeah. Because before we had that, it was just all coming out of my head. And I had no idea. I was just trying to use as much color as I could, which I learned was not how you do that. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally, I, I hear that. You know, one thing that we've been talking a lot about here is this concept of design debt. So, Nelsie, before mm-hmm. Neokova, What's your background a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of like, where were you before for our our listeners? Yeah, I have a pretty eclectic background, actually. I came from luxury travel. Love it. Yeah, I know. It was an interesting, you know, few years before I worked in a a very high-end travel company and got to do a lot of travel myself. So I was quite the traveler, especially before the pandemic. But um, what was your best, what was your favorite trip that you went on? This is sort of a, a, a cheat answer, I guess, because when I was younger, before actually I started working with the travel company, I went on a year-long adventure. I, I flew, I bought a one-way ticket to Uganda, and oh I God. spent a bunch of time in a village there working with an orphanage and an HIV outreach clinic. And I was young. I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, you know, out of out of school. Yeah. And I had this opportunity to go there, and I ended up you know, meeting a lot of cool people with the Red Cross and the Peace Corps. And I ended up traveling through East Africa, Rwanda, Kenya, Tanzania, Burundi. Wow. And then I flew from Nairobi to Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Then from there, worked my way across Europe and ended in London. Wow. My, That's amazing. My mom had to meet me because I'd run out of money. <laughs> nice. So that was... That was pretty fun. But gosh, that was like sort of one of those paradigm shifting trips for me just because, you know, I was alone traveling the world, you know, and I didn't have anybody to rely on but me. And that taught me a lot about what I was capable of. Mm, I bet. It must have been tough coming back after that. Or maybe were you ready at that point to come back? You know, I was exhausted. I will say that. But it was tough to come back because I think I had been living sort of very far from reality. I, you know, I had saved up a bunch of money before I went. So I was able to, you know, 
just sort of gallivant around, you know, and experience things and meet people and just sort of go where the wind took me, Mm -hmm. which I, I don't think is, is something very many people get to do. So it was really hard to come back, but then I found a job in the travel industry, which is, I was like, Oh yeah, travel's my passion. And then I sort of found my way into FinTech And were you a product manager at the travel, at the luxury travel? No. Okay. No, I was not. This is my first product role. And it sort of like really spoke to me just given how important a lot of soft skills are like communication Mm -hmm. and, you know, design, writing, and sort of being that bridge between the tech organization, sales, marketing, you know. So it sort of is a great fit. Like I, I really never would have expected to feel so fulfilled by like a single role, especially a job, but I really like it. Yeah. It it is interesting how many different parts of like the human experience, I guess you get to, you get to kind of like dive into and it comes even for us to being in a consulting role. There's a lot of, Mm. a lot of the soft skills are exactly what you, I mean, exactly what you said. There's like, there's so much, we rely so much on those to help us, you know, navigate different engagements and to learn also like, Ramping up in different industries, like at warp speed, I realized too, a lot of that is trust. Like we trust our clients to be the experts Mm -hmm. in their industry. And like how you're saying, you know, you trust your subject matter experts in the banking world. You know, it's like that helps. That's like little, a nice, reliable shortcut trust, right? Just to kind of help get the information you need. And, and, you know, that being a skill to like pick up something quickly, it's it's like kind of an interesting thing, you know, especially when it comes to different companies. Cause like after, at the end of the day, we're all just people. Right. And so it's just kind of like, how is this organization of people, what's their focus? And it's interesting how a lot of the same problems or opportunities or challenges or however you want to call it, you know, Mm -hmm. exist in all these different configurations of folks. And I, I wanted to ask you, you know, we at ThoughtBot have been talking a lot about the, the concept of design debt. Have you ever heard of something like this before? I've heard of technical debt. Okay. So if you were to think about what design debt is, what would you assume? What would you think that that means? Possibly like the situation maybe that you had asked earlier is like, what would have been the cost had you not had the design system? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Sure. That's sort of, yeah, that's my answer. Final answer. Love it. Phone a friend? No. (laughs) I miss that show. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. But Part of it too with with design debt is about the cost of moving too quickly and not making sure that your design is is moving forward with you as well. Like even the things that you designed mm. in the past. So a lot of this has to do, especially with design systems. Like, mm-hmm. say you have a new component to add. Okay, what's the process for adding a new component? You know, like yeah, who looks at it? What do you write about it? How does it get added? Who gets approved? You know, the cool thing with us on Neocova when we we're working together was we had a system where it was in a column, you know, we described mm-hmm. what was going on and, you know, you had your scrum master who's freaking awesome. Yeah, I know, right? Just kind of work, th- work through it and approve things or not approve mm-hmm. things. And that was like very helpful. And having a scaffolding like that in place helps to reduce this like design debt, you know, of things kind of creeping mm-hmm. up and inconsistencies starting. And it's just like a thing to keep in mind, especially with design systems and now as, as, as it's now in your guys' hands. Yeah, because it's like this phenomenon of like when you add new things to the mix, the first item created and the new item, the newest item created over time, that gap becomes larger and larger and larger and larger. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. 
It's kind of like when I freeze baked goods, you know, like I have biscuits in there right now <laughs> from like months ago. So when I add a new biscuit, I got to really take care of the old ones first. Like, yeah, you know. I know. <laughs> yeah, you have to make sure that you're keeping up with your biscuit consumption. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, no, actually, back to the designing, we can talk about biscuits in a second. But I completely agree. Our design system, I do believe that one of the things I did want out of the design system, which I think we accomplished, was that sort of just classic, sleek, minimal look, which yeah. I do think will be able to be sort of commandeered for a while, you know, and it's not going to be outdated or anything. It has been interesting, you know, without you guys, because, you know, it does fall on the team to make sure that we're doing that correctly and making sure that we're thinking about these things. But I think I'm a pretty ferocious protector of the design system, I would say. Like, I will, if something looks off, I'll say, oh, why don't you let me have a go at it? That's you know, great. or like, yeah. And I'm, I love showing it to people like, you know, a, a new developer or something and be like, here, this is, this is your Bible on design. Yeah. Everything that I was like, if I tell you something and it doesn't match up with the design system, I trust the design system. That's so nice. I've made a mistake. Yeah. It's nice to have just like an external thing to point at mm-hmm. being an objective in a way. It's, it's, it's really nice. Cause that's also a thing too. And you work too quickly and if uh, teams design or implement features based on hunches and based on assumptions mm-hmm. over time like what makes sense anymore like what what is the guiding principle we can't always just rely on hunches absolutely you know, you need some data you got to talk about it you got to put it in front of people you have to have some sort of mm-hmm. it has to make sense as teams get larger you know it should make sense why you're doing the things that you're doing yeah hundred percent so one thing that we do every episode we like to do a segment called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Ooh. The Good. The Bad. And The Ugly. So we like to pick a subject and thinking about our conversation, so let's chat about the good, the bad, the ugly of design systems. I don't know. I mean, you've been working in one for a bit. Yeah. What's the good? What is the, the good of design systems? The good of design systems, like we covered it. I think obviously my passion for this design system hopefully has come through, but the good is having like a single source of truth when it comes to design. Yeah. You know, there's no debating on what color this button should be or anything it's there and I think it saves a lot of time and I think also in this sort of remote working environment that we're in now the less sort of tension even when it comes to something like design or colors like you and I know Jacqueline the colors are not trivial but (laughs) I think that that could be considered something like oh well why are we having a meeting about color yeah so the less time we spend on those things the more time we can spend on like oh well what are the value adds that we really need for this rather than oh should this be purple or green that's a great point documenting decisions so for later on you don't have to like keep talking about that anymore yeah it just it is yeah there's no discussion about it that's just this is what this button looks like and this is what this one looks like have fun right until it until it breaks hence the design debt thing yeah and update it when that day comes yeah i will hopefully handle it well 
Um, I know you or will. I'll call. I'll I'll call you. Okay, call me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we touch on it a little bit, but what is the the bad of design systems? I think the bad is that it is like sort of decisions made at a certain moment in yeah, time sure. in your product like development. Yeah. So that I think is sort of the downside is we had the attention of all the people who we needed at that moment and we got it and we did it. Good job team. But now that we're moving forward, I could see that, you know, as things change or what have you being a downside. Although I will say I have not run into that yet, but you know, I'm very aware of the ups and downs of life. Yes. After 2020. Indeed. It's still 2020, right? I I still think it's like 2020 part B. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's December 74th. (laughs) (laughs) This is the year that never ends. Okay. (laughs) Ugly. What's ugly? Ugly. Now, again, this is not because I will say the design system is rather beautiful in my opinion. But the sort of like metaphorically ugly part is yet another thing I have not yet encountered, but having to make a large change or having to rework something only because we don't have a designer. You know what I mean? Like we have me, which is great. I'm awesome, but I'm not a designer, you know, like, but I think like the goal is to get like, we're expanding as a team, which is awesome. And I'm super excited about. So I hopefully will be able to entrust my precious into the worthy (laughs) hands of another, but until then, yeah. Yeah. And if you ever need help, you know where we are um, or everywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's amazing. Working with you guys is so, so much fun. And I learned so much. And I feel like I like I said, we've been talking about this from sort of Neocova's perspective as a company, but from a personal perspective, like that's definitely something that a lot of the things I learned, I will continue to take on through my career, you know, and that's that. in, almost invaluable, uh. you know. It makes me feel so good. That's why we do this. <laughs> you know, we, right. we want to help spread up, you know, a better way to make software and to instill that in teams and help people become more confident in how they do it. And yeah, it's just so good to hear all of that. This has been a really nice way to end my day personally. Yeah, I do have one more thing I'd like to share with you. Please. Is I did find the conversation in our archive Slack channel with ThoughtBot yeah. where we became friends. Okay. Um, what is what Oh, wait, this is the cake. This is about yeah, cake. Oh, this Well, it is about cake, but it's about (laughs) other things too. So just want to give a quick overview to our listeners. We were working on the design system and I was trying to implement it. You know, like here I am. I'm like, we've got these designers, whatever. I post a pie graph and I was like, how should I, you know, do this? And then I got some tips and Jacqueline says the donut chart is better. And you were talking about how it breaks up the solid blocks of color, which is nice. And then you said, you know, I just realized we're comparing donuts with pies and I love them both. And I said, (laughs) you know what? That's a great idea. I'll try the donut. And I go, now I want a donut. (laughs) And then you said, honestly, same. And then you say, right after that, I went scrounging in the kitchen and found a muffin. And then I send a a donut version and I was like, this is so much better. And I said, tomorrow's my birthday and I'm baking my cake tonight. So cake soon for me. 
And that's when you said, I'll be making the apple sage Gouda pie. Oh, that was, oh, that's such a good pie. And then that's when I was like, I was like, sister pie, question mark. Oh my and you God. were like, how did you know? And I was like, girl, I'm all about sister pie. And then we immediately went into a private Slack chat and nothing <laughs> was the same. I know. <laughs> yeah. Nothing <laughs> has changed. That's what a beautiful story about pie charts and, and donut charts bringing yeah. people together. And I felt like it was like the perfect, just such an organic beginning to a wonderful friendship that has blossomed into genuinely you're my friend oh i love that starting the thoughtbot engagement i would have never been like oh i'm gonna walk away with this 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 and this and a friend right you know <laughs> right same so that was a great takeaway oh my goodness I'm very honored and I, I do really <laughs> love being your friend and hearing about yeah. your your baking escapades. Nelsie, thank you so much for joining this episode of Tentative. Thank Tentative. you. This has been an absolute dream. So you can find show notes at tentative.fm. You can tweet at us at tentative.fm. You can email us at hosts at tentative.fm. And finally, rate Tentative on iTunes. Thinking about your favorite baked good and how good it is <laughs> and thinking about how many stars it is, likely five, and then just put that into the form like when you're rating Tentative. And that's how that works. <laughs> that's how I rate my, my stuff. Yeah, just don't think about at all like the thing you're rating. Think about biscuits. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I love biscuits, so this is five stars. <laughs> well, thanks again, Nelsie. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.